is Digital Marketer. Hello and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Sneevely. In today's episode, I speak with Alexandria Harrelson. She's the owner and CEO of Harrelson Media, a digital marketing agency specializing in organic. Alex is also one of our wonderful certified partners, and her story is really incredible. She built her business while also building a family, and she tells me how having two kids under two totally changed her outlook on business, and we get into the biggest mindset shift she had to make in order to fully step into that CEO role. And on top of it all, just because I can, I also asked her about what she calls the follower fallacy. You know, the idea that you have to have a huge social media following. Well, she says social media can be a source of highly qualified leads and you don't need a huge following to make six figures. We talk about all this and more in today's episode. So I'm going to get out of the way now. Enjoy. Hello, Alexandria. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I am so excited to be here today. I'm so excited too. I'm really excited to learn from you. And I, I have to say, I absolutely love your setup. Is this like a she shed type thing? It is. It is. And like jumping ahead a little bit, but from what you don't see, that part is our cheese and milk processing room. So, cause we have a farm. So I have like a refrigerator here full of milk, um, right next to me that you can't see. <laughs> so yeah. What? Oh no, I'm going to get so off track because I hadn't, I had no idea this. <laughs> we did not mention that in our other conversation. Yes. Yeah, so I have like all the processing equipment behind me. That's what I'm looking at. And then I have this very beautiful setup behind me, which is a little bit scattered right now, but yes, it's amazing what you, you can make do with the camera. Um, mozzarella because it's super easy goat's cheese so soft cheeses I'm trying my hand at feta today actually so I'm excited to try that and then some hard cheeses what okay that is super (laughs) cool I I love cheese I mean I love cheese I've always wanted to make my own cheese it's really fun and it's not as hard as it seems. You can get into some like the really crazy ones that have to age for like 10 months and then mm-hmm. they're just like a little tiny ball of it. And you're like, why did I spend so much time? And it was like one bite <laughs> 10 months later. <laughs> but I like to do the easy instant gratification of like mozzarella or soft and yeah, it's fun. Oh, and, and like through, fresh cheese oh. is just so good. Mm-hmm. It squeaks. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever had fresh yeah. cheese weeks. Yes. That's funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Alexandria, we're here, unfortunately, not to talk about cheese. No. Uh, but I could do an entire podcast about that. Maybe I'll start it. You have another business. Yes, I do. <laughs> Wait, is the cheese a business? No, it's not. But I actually, um, I'll talk a little bit about it in my story, but it's how I started my business, kind of. It's very, it's very intertwined. Okay, yeah. wow. Yeah, take me back to the beginning. Where did all this start? Entrepreneurship, <laughs> Alexandria, who are you? What do yeah. you do? Where did this begin? <laughs> yes, and I will try to give you the Cliff Notes version because I am very much a talker and I could get carried away with the, the entire story. But essentially what happened was, so in, and let me get all my dates right. Cause sometimes I mix them up in my head too, but in like 2011, 2012, I was in college. I was getting my bachelor's in sociology and I grew up on a farm. We had always had animals 
And my dad kind of just really wanted to get like a milk goat. And we kind of were all like, hey, let's do this. It'll be fun. So we ended up buying one milk goat. So this is like a really interesting story, right? Because I'm talking about milk goats and cows and all that. <laughs> <laughs> I promise it has a point. So we bought one milk goat and then we were like, well, we're already milking. So we might as well buy more. And then we were like, well, we're already milking these. We might as well get cows. And essentially what that led to was us opening a raw milk dairy. Take that a step back for a second. Actually, we started raising bottle calves from because we had so much milk. We were raising bottle calves and then selling them. So I would say that was actually probably my first journey into entrepreneurship because I was wow. I was raising these calves and then we were turning them and selling them for a profit. And it was really what taught me profit and and loss and expenses and all of that. So fast forward a year or two later, we have all of these like cows, we have this dairy business that we had like grown. Um, and essentially, I started like with all the customer relations and, and talking about profits and expenses again, and, and looking to see where we could take our milk and what stores we could sell in. So I started doing all this. And that was just another big learning curve for me because I was in school for sociology and I didn't have any clue about business. I really just didn't know. <laughs> didn't know. And so we had to order some parts and my dad gets this box and it's like, look, I ordered this from this company, but it came from this other company. And my mom, who has an experience in retail, was like, oh, it's drop shipped. So my dad was like, why don't we start a farm and dairy supply business? And I was like, okay. So I spent like the next six months. My mom was able to secure a drop shipper for us. And we started working with some um, suppliers. And I spent like the next six months developing everything from the website to the logo to the marketing materials. I knew nothing about this. Like nothing. <laughs> so here I am like juggling school and trying to like figure all this out. And I did. And, you know, within a couple of years, it was doing really well, um, at least for what I thought was really well at the time, you know, like it was, it was doing good. So that was really my first like taste of entrepreneurship and business and all of that. So I graduated college in 2014 and I just didn't want to go get a nine to five. I guess I was just like really, really stubborn. <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm good. I don't need to do that. So um, we stayed on the farm. And then in 2016, I got married and we, I actually left the farm and dairy supply business. And my husband was like, Hey, it'd be great if we could just have like an extra couple hundred dollars a month so we could have just some discretionary income. And I was like, okay, let me see what I can do. And I knew this lady, I don't even ask me how I met her. It must've been through Facebook or something. And I reached out to her and I said, Hey, like I have some experience with um, like building social medias or social media platforms and not platforms, accounts and, you know, doing all this marketing stuff and website design. If you ever need help, let me know. And she said, well, have you ever heard about virtual assistant work? And I was like, no, what is that? And so she said, well, it's where you kind of help, you know, business owners online do different tasks, whether that is social media management or designing graphics or whatever. So I basically started my business and I was like selling the Pinterest graphics for a dollar a piece. Um, I think I raised it there to $2 a piece at some point, which was like so much because people were buying these packs and it was like $100 at a time. And you know, it was, wow. it was like so much money and it was so exciting. But in three months, I was making a full-time income as a virtual assistant. Wow. And it was, my husband was a teacher. So I would work while he was gone. 
And so in those, you know, eight hours or whatever, I was building up my business. So fast forward to 2018, I was still doing virtual assistant work. I got pregnant with my son and I started thinking like, oh no. And I had kind of, I hit six figures in about 18 months. And then I kind of plateaued. I just couldn't take anymore. I hit my capacity level Hmm. and I was working like all day, like from sunup to sundown, you know, I was just working, working, working. And when I got pregnant with my son, I was like, oh no, like, I'm not going to be able to keep doing this. You know, all those thoughts were going through my head. So I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start a team. So some people were, were saying like, oh, you should start a VA agency or, you know, you could, you know, build, build a team somehow or have subcontractors or whatever. And so I started kind of, I'm just saying like compiling people, that's not the right word, but like <laughs> started bringing people on, um, just a handful. And I had my son in December, everything went fine with the pregnancy. But after I had him, there were so many factors. I had a PPD pretty bad. And then it was a really rough labor. And I was really down and out. And the people that I had brought on, it just, it just didn't work. I, and mm. part of it was my fault. I didn't train correctly. I just kind of said, here, come on, figure it out, which was not what I was supposed to do. But it was a lot of lessons learned for me because I really didn't step up into that leadership role. I just said, like, here, you know what to do. You do it. And this business was my baby. And I just, it wasn't being handled correctly. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to forget about the agency model. I'm going to do it myself. This was between like January and March. No, January and April. So in May, I find out I'm pregnant with my daughter. (laughs) Okay. So it took (laughs) us forever with my son. And now it was like four months later, I'm pregnant with my daughter and like did not expect that. So I actually got pregnant with twins. And at 10 weeks, I lost, yeah, I lost one of the twins at 10 weeks. Wow. So I, it was not (laughs) to spare you the details. It was pretty bad. But I, immediately went into like a high risk pregnancy at that point. Mm. And so then I was traveling to, cause we're, we're in South Carolina, but we're kind of out in the country. So the closest doctor to us is an hour, an hour and a half away. I was having to go to Columbia, which is about two hours away for appointments, like once or twice a week. So it's gone a lot. And then I had, you know, a six month old son at the same time. And I was still trying to grow the business and it wasn't growing at all. It was still plateaued. We weren't really, we weren't, weren't, weren't losing any clients, but we weren't getting any new clients. It was just, it was just, man, like it, and I'm very much an entrepreneur in the sense of like, I always want next level. Like I always want right. to grow. Not that I'm not happy with where I'm at, but I, you can desire more and still be happy with where you're at. So I hired a business coach in uh, like, I was like August of that year. So it was August of 2018. And I was several months pregnant. And I basically was telling her like, I don't want the same thing that happened after I had my son to happen now. And I want to be prepared and I want things to go well. And she really encouraged me to start building a team again. This time I did it the right way. (laughs) I, (laughs) I actually interviewed people, which was something that I didn't even do the first time. So I interviewed and I started growing and I just had a whole lot of faith and trust that things would do okay. My daughter was born early and then spent a week in the NICU. And I can say that I had prepared so well that I was able to take that whole week off and not even have to worry about the business. In fact, we grew, we gained like three or four clients that week, which was crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. Yeah. And so 
that was, you know, 2018, early 2019. And one important piece that I failed to mention was I left virtual assistant work. Um, I, I decided that I didn't want to just do anything and everything. I really wanted to niche down and marketing was my love. And so, and mentoring, <clears throat> marketing and mentoring. And so I moved into a marketing agency. So that's what we have now. And it's an organic marketing agency. And we have a team of 12 at this point. And wow. so 2020 was obviously it was a year for the book in so many <laughs> ways, right? Really, I will always remember it personally too, like COVID aside, we 3x during our annual income revenue in 2020. And it was because I had faith in my team and I started growing my team and that allowed me to better serve and support all of our clients. And then it just, it, it was really, it was just a blessing year. It was so amazing just to watch it all unfold. And especially with two little kids. And so I have two under three now, but last year, all year, I was like, I have two under two and I'm somehow managing to do all. <laughs> Yeah. So that's the very long cliff notes story. No, that's amazing. And I, I know, like, I know there is someone listening that is like that, you know, something in that story, like super resonates, whether it's, you know, complicated pregnancies, whether it's mm -hmm. starting a business as a mother or a new father, mm -hmm. you know, I know when we, I interviewed actually same last name, Bo Harrelson, <laughs> um, <laughs> Bo, um, was talking about, you know, a, a lot of like the birth of, um, their daughter is something that like spurred him forward with, like, you just had to go all in. And I, I find it really interesting that like, to me, there's something in, in like the concept of parenthood and having to also prepare for it and preparing that yeah. really helps crystallize what you want to do and what you want your business and life yeah. to be. Did you feel it? Did you feel like that was kind of a big moment for you? Yeah. And I think it's time frame because it's very easy to just say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And when you're pregnant, you're like, I got nine months to make this happen. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. That's <laughs> it. Nine months and the bomb's going off. <laughs> like that's, that's it. <laughs> and I did, I really felt, and like I had mentioned, I hired a coach and honestly, like every conversation was like, how can I make this week better than last week? Because we're running out of time. <laughs> like I've got yeah. to do this. And I really did just go all in and I, I learned from my mistakes and I made so many of them. Um, I'm not, not without flaws in that sense, but I was, I took those failures and said, okay, I'm not just going to give up. Like I did for about a year. I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it smarter this time. But yeah, I, oh gosh. Yeah. I totally felt the time just ticking. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Hey DM listeners. Did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works. You'll see a live demo and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com. Yeah. So what's the, what's the secret you think to kind of stepping into the role of CEO where you're, you're handing things off to people? It was really hard. That is probably the hardest thing I've had to go through in growing my business because 
my business was my baby. Um, obviously I have two other babies, but like it was, it was that thing that I had grown and worked so hard on and nurturing my clients and building relationships with our clients was so important to me that I really, I lacked the faith and trust that I could outsource work and we would still have that. I was wrong. I was completely wrong because I think we're doing an even more amazing job of doing that now than we were then just because we have more hands in the pot, which is, but, but to me, the key, I have several keys. So there's not just one. The key is having faith and allowing your team to rise. And this is something that I've really learned along the way is you have to give them trust. You you have to trust them. You have to give them responsibility. You have to let them rise in their position. And then the other thing is really not being scared to grow and not being scared to fall. And the fear, and I think a lot of it for me was money. Like a lot of it was around money. Like we've done so well, I'm going to hire a team and I'm going to be spending all this money and where is it going to go? Now I'm going to have all these expenses or I'm going to spend all this money and they're not going to do as well as I did. Um, not that that's a very prideful statement, but like, you know, they're not going to... I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to take care of the clients as well as I did. And just having faith in that, but setting yourself up for success, going through the interview processes, really trusting your gut. Cause I made it, I've even made a couple of hires that I just didn't trust my gut on. I, my gut was telling me one thing that I was like, no, 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 we really need. So I hired anyways. And it just wasn't a fit. And so I truly believe like right now I can say we have a team of 12 and it is a dream team. Like they are amazing, but it's been really hard to get here. And I still struggle. We have a director of operations now and I still will take stuff onto my plate and she'll be like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just can't let go of it. It's just, it's just easier for me. And it's funny because I mentor other business owners and, and they'll be like, I'll I'll say, get rid of it, like outsource it. This is why you have them. And they'll be like, I can't let it go. And I'm like, just do it. And then I turn around and I'm like, I, I'm doing the same thing. Like I can't let it go. And all of those five minute tasks, you know, you have 10 of them, then you have 15 minutes of work to do. So, Mm -hmm. but I think those are my two keys, just breathing and letting go and and knowing that it's going to be okay. And trusting the process. I I love that. Is there, um, is there a strategy in your mind for like, especially when you're coaching other business owners? um, What is Mm -hmm. that first hire? What's the most Mm -hmm. important hire you need to make? Yeah, I think it really depends on where you're at. For some people, it is just hiring someone to manage your social media. And that might not even be a full blown strategist. That might be just somebody that's just getting content up so you're consistent, which don't really recommend my marketing side is like, you know, if you're doing that, then it's not really that (laughs) beneficial. But, you know, or some people, it's just a graphic designer. What I would really say is, is look at your time every day, do a time tracking, like get a spreadsheet and just say like, from eight to eight fifty, this is what I worked on. From eight fifty to nine, this is what I worked on, and look at that and see where you're spending needless time. There's always going to be stuff in your business that you have to do, but if you're not if you're not staying in your zone of genius with it, um, if you're doing all these like other little things that are distracting you basically from your ultimate mission, then it's time to outsource those. So I think it would just depend. I've had a lot of clients and myself included that sometimes that first hire is just like a business manager that can be your right hand in business. And then you can grow from there. That's always really important too. And like my director of operations actually came on as a copywriter who was just doing like some random content because I didn't have enough time. 
she came, then she came onto an OBM position and then she did director operations. So I think it really just depends on your individual business and goals, but do the time tracker exercise and you will see it glaring at you. I need to outsource this. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good advice. And in general, just like understanding where your time is spent is really important Mm -hmm. because, you know, I myself, like I'll sometimes like have a little idea and I'm like, Oh, maybe let me try to do this. And I'll spend like two days moving a logo around. And it's like, is that actually going to take me anywhere? No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it feels so important and exciting. (laughs) It does. And and I was just having a conversation with someone the other day, um, a private client of mine. And I said, you know what, if, if what you're doing is not serving and supporting your mission and customers directly, because sometimes we can say that pretty much anything we're doing in business, like there's a loophole there, but if it's not directly serving and supporting them, that's your zone of genius, then you shouldn't be doing it. You should be Mm. outsourcing it. If you can, and obviously if you are not financially in a place where you can afford to outsource, then don't, don't put yourself in that position, but also know that the more you outsource, the more is going to come back, especially as you build your dream team. Like it's, it's a very fine line being scared to spend money. I, completely understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you, when you have to spend money to make money, you have to grow in order to fulfill, but you have to spend, like you have to make money back in order to grow. Like it's a cycle. How, yeah. How, how, how? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a vicious cycle of you have to spend money to make money. So here, here's what I think. I am at a point where I have two kids. My son is one and a half. My daughter, or my daughter is one and a half. My son is two and a half. And I cannot be glued to my computer all day. I cannot, I literally cannot. I could want to. My mind could always be thinking about business, but I cannot be in front of a computer screen. And the only way right now for where my company is to do that is to outsource. And so when I hire, or even every time that I I pay our contractors, I do it with such a sense of gratitude, like, thank you for being here and for allowing me to spend more time with my family, to spend more time on me so that I'm not going crazy, to spend more, more valuable time creating content. That's ultimately going to go back to that zone of genius of serving and supporting our our clients. But you do have to, and this is another thing, like you have to hire before you're ready a lot of times too, Mm. because my mistakes were I waited. And then when I waited, I was desperate to find somebody and they weren't always the perfect match. Right. And so that's really important. But and I'm trying to think too, because there's so many aspects to this. But if you go out and you ask, like another thing is not saying that she, because goodness knows I was charging a dollar for a Pinterest graphic way back then. And I think they were pretty good. But you kind of have to not be scared to pay well too. Um, because that is going to respect and value your team and they're going to want to stay with you longer, which which is an important thing. Like you don't want to spend all this time training and then leave because they get a better offer somewhere else, but it's a cycle. And I truly believe that. And I know my heart of hearts knows that if I didn't have a team last year, we would not have grown. We probably would have, it was probably at a point where I was getting so burned out doing all of the things I probably would have just let it go or done something else or just scaled back. And I made the decision to say, no, we're going to go all in and just try it. And I'm glad we did. But 
like if you're at that point in business where you're so burned out and you're so tired and you're just, you're spending 24 hours a day on and you're neglecting your yourself or your family or your marriage or your, your friends or whatever it is, know that when you hire, it's not just money. It's not just scaling your business, but it's giving you freedom back. It's giving you time back to spend with your kids outside, like to do whatever it is that fills your cup. It's, it's all related there. Yeah. Is there a secret to staying competitive? <laughs> so my competitive secret is that I don't look at competitors. <laughs> is that, is that, no, you have to look at competitors because you obviously you have to know what's happening out there. I have always, and I started my business this way. I started my VA business this way, and I will continue to run my marketing agency this way is really, truly just giving my all, whether we're on a discovery call or you're a client or whatever, showing up and supporting you wherever you are at and creating those relationships. I think maybe that's not necessarily a secret to being competitive, but it's a secret to making yourself stand out. We live in this day and age where everything's online, everything's digital. And so how do you make yourself different from the million of other digital marketing agencies or whatever else business you're out there? And I, and as overused as it's starting to become is nurturing and, and building relationships, but not just doing it because you want to fill your pocketbook, but, but filling or, or serving those relationships so that it's going to be a value to them, even if they don't come on as a client. Mm-hmm. And I've heard some stories recently, actually, of some clients that have come to me and they said, well, I was trying to go to this other company, but they won't even talk to you if you can't afford their prices. And I just, you know, I need direction of where to go. And I'll hop on a call and I know, you know, sometimes I know like our prices might be too high for them, but at least I can leave that call knowing I gave them some kind of support that maybe they'll Mm -hmm. come back later or maybe they'll tell their friends about us or, or whatever. And I say that with a fine line too, because obviously you don't want to spend all of your time with, you know, just giving away like free content or, you know, giving away your time, which is very valuable, but just truly caring, truly caring about your mission. And that's our mission is to support the other companies that we work with their missions, because it's not, well, it's great for me to say, okay, we three times during annual revenue. That's amazing and exciting, right? As a business owner. But to me, it's about the relationships and the missions we've been able to help with and how important that has been far beyond, you know, whatever paycheck comes. Yeah. And and a part of me is really like, I mean, honestly, when you're having those free conversations, you know, that's, that's just a longer life cycle. You're creating an ideal client who will be able to take what you've taught them, uh, take whatever support you're able to give, grow. And then now they have a really good relationship with you. They're super grateful and you're creating someone who will be able to come to you when they have the cash. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that I kind of, I bring into, I I do, I bring it into all of our clients, especially we we work with a lot of startups. So when they're starting their business, obviously the thing is we want to launch and make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars the first week, which would be great. And obviously ROI is very important to us. So I'm not saying like discrediting that, like we definitely want sales, but we work really, really hard to build relationships and it has worked so well from a marketing standpoint, from an ROI standpoint, because the money is sort of just a, like an extra added bonus that comes later, but, but taking the time to care and serve like, Oh, and you mentioned the ideal client. That is so important too, because I didn't have an ideal client. And as a VA, even my first like year building the marketing agency, we didn't have an ideal client. We just kind of would work with anybody um, as we were growing. 
And now like we truly have our ideal client hammered out and being able to serve. And every time we post any kind of content, talking to them has attracted them back. So Hmm. that is key (laughs) to growing your business too. Do you think that, okay. So going back to like you being a VA kind of just starting, do you think it's something you can truly, when you're just starting, just say like, this is my ideal client, or is it something you really do need to hammer out over time as you realize what you want, who you want to serve? So yeah, I would say the second, I, Mm -hmm. I coach a lot of VA coaches or previous VAs and what the general consensus has been for all of them. And it was for me too, was that they went into it thinking they wanted to work with somebody. Maybe it was real estate agents that they really wanted to be a VA for real estate agents. And then they started working for real estate agents and they didn't like it. So Mm -hmm. they switched. I think your ideal client really does grow over time. So even for us, who our ideal client is right now, it might be completely different five years from now. I don't know, but you can go into it with an idea. I think that's smart. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have gone with like an idea of who I wanted to work with, but it does change over time and that's okay. It's totally fine for it to change. Yeah. I think that's just something to take note of. Like if you're listening and you're someone who you're just kind of starting and you feel like you are stuck because you don't, you know, you know, you're supposed to have an ideal client in mind or an ideal customer in mind and you don't like, don't let that stop you. Just serve, Mm -hmm. like do what you want to do, serve how you want to serve and the people that want to be served that way. You know, it'll eventually, I'm thinking of Laffy Taffy, but hammer itself out. It'll eventually (laughs) stretch itself out into something that resembles something. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's a cycle. And what you put out there, the content that she put out there, if you're talking to this ideal client you have in mind, And I know some people get like really into it, like Susie who drives a minivan and has three kids, (laughs) ages four, five, and six. And you know, she likes to eat hamburgers on Thursdays or whatever. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't think you have to go that in depth into it. But if you talk to the, like the general Susie of what her ideas or her or Ralph or whoever it is, like talk to them and your ideal clients will find you. They'll be attracted Mm -hmm. to you and, and that will grow your business. In the yeah. long run, and you might be like, well, well, I need to shift this or I need to change a few things because this is not really me or anymore or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, like totally fine to change that. Yeah. So growth. This yeah. is something I know you know a lot about. There was a number that you told me that's three X. Can you talk about how that growth happened? <laughs> yes. So um, I kind of had mentioned like we were really plateaued. So come June, this will be our fifth year, my fifth year in business. It'll be probably two and a half as the marketing agency. And between years like three and no, like two and four, like we were really plateaued for about two years. We were plateaued my to the point my CPA was like, you didn't make any more this year than you did last year. And I'm like, okay, like, I guess this is just it. To, to me, the way that we were able to grow and scale was I had to let stuff go. I had to, I had to work through a lot of mindset blocks that I had of, and stories that I was telling myself and things that I was thinking was reality, but it really wasn't. And like overanalyzing everything. Like I had to let that go. I had to realize that I am the CEO and owner of this company. I need to step into that role. I have to be a leader. I cannot hire a team and have them doing copywriting, for example, and then me also doing copywriting. And then like, that doesn't work. You have to let people thrive in their zones of genius. And 
there might be times where you have to step in. Not talking about that. I'm just saying like overall, you can't be doing all of that together. Mm -hmm. So growing the team was obviously a biggie because I was able to have more time. And as I was able to step away from the business more and spend more time with my family, I was actually to pour myself more into the business, like, which sounds kind of funky, but I was, I had more energy. I had more strength. I had more want to, I think, because I wasn't as burned out. And when I did show up, I was showing up 10 times better than I was when I was super burned out. And so that was really the key is just realizing I'm a leader in this position and I have to step into that, which I'm still working on and allowing your team to thrive around you and letting them take responsibility for things and letting them grow within. I like to really, I really love to let my team grow within their positions. Like they don't have to be an expert when they come in, but I'm going to teach you everything I know. And then we're going to go from there. So, you know, I would say that was really the, the biggie for me. Yeah. I mean, last year was so many learning lessons last year. <laughs> Lots yeah. of growing pain. A lot of mindset shifts, which a lot of people can see it as fluff. Um, but it, it really is. It's a part of why people are successful. It's a part of why things happen. Yeah. So speaking of that mindset, I, I think there's, you know, you, you specialize in social media and organic specifically. And I think a lot of people uh, like just connecting this with growth. A lot of people think they have to be this big, like huge on a platform. They have to be on every platform. They have to be huge on every platform in order to make it work. So to them, it's like, is this really worth it? Mm-hmm. How am I going to, you know, get leads or whatever, but I know you have a different take on this. So I'd love to hear yeah. your take. Yes. So this is something that I talk about a lot. I, to my clients publicly, all kinds of stuff, but so we grew, especially last year, we grew to multi six figures on track for a million by next year with less than 500 Instagram followers on Instagram. And that's not because we weren't active on Instagram. It's not because we didn't ever go on there. We were, but I used it. Number one. So I like to use like all of our social medias as like case studies. And so like, I like to, I like obviously like internally, I like to use this case study. We use it as a relationship building platform. We really, really did not focus on growing followers. We focused on growing relationships and engagement. And we had so many leads that would come in through Instagram. It's still one of our, like, it is our top lead referral now. And it's funny for years, I hated Instagram. I was like, I don't want to go on there. <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't want to be on there. And now I love it. Like it is, it is the platform I like to be on, but I really kept it as like my fun place. <laughs> it was like, I'm not going to worry about growing it, but we don't have, I don't even know what our number is on Facebook, but it's like, it's not, I don't even think it's a thousand. Like all of our social medias are very, very low, which I know when someone's coming on as a client, they can be like, oh, well, their social media isn't big. But here's the thing. It's not about the numbers. It is about the quality. And, and again, very cliche, quality over quantity. But if you don't have, if you have, and I've, I've seen this before, if you have 10 million followers and only ever a hundred of those people are ever actually engaging with your content, it doesn't matter. The rest of those 999,000 people doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really interesting. And I call it kind of the follower fallacy because we are, like it's constantly pounded into our heads that we have to have all these followers. Like you said, like we have to have huge growth. We have to have numbers through the roof all the time. And this is something that I tell our clients. I really don't care if our follower numbers go up. 
if you're a startup, you know, there's different circumstances where, yeah, we kind of want to grow it. But if your engagement goes up, that's what I want to see. And we actually see this not to, if you are listening and you run a paid ads agency, I have nothing against paid ads. So I have run paid ads myself, but I see this with paid ads so much. We will look at the analytics and we'll see like a lack of engagement, but you have all this viewer, right? You have all these impressions, you have all of these followers, all these likes, but the actual engagement numbers of what people are um, attracted to and how that relation, those relationships are building doesn't happen as often. Mm. So I know there's probably people listening. They're like, that's not true. But just from an organic side of it, and there's obviously case studies with everything. I would so much rather build out that organic foundation before we do paid ads. And then at some point I'm, I'm usually like, Hey, okay, let's, it's time to do ads. Let's, let's go in there, but you can do it. And we did it. (laughs) You know, we didn't let it stop us. I, I've talked to a lot of people too, who they, they will literally say, well, I only have 200 followers on Instagram, so I'm not going to be able to build a business. And I'm like, no, like, no, that's such the wrong way to think about it because it doesn't matter. That's 200 souls that are reading your stuff, that are looking at your things. Like that is huge. I see that with reels all the time now. People will post reels and they'll be like, oh, I only got a thousand views. I'm like, that's a thousand souls that saw your stuff. Mm, Yeah. Put them all in a room. You know how many people a thousand people is if you put them in a big room? Like, that's huge. And so just shifting and looking at it from that perspective has been really, really powerful. And us just really honing in on engagement. And again, it's kind of like what we were talking about where you build the relationships and the money will come. It's kind of like you build that engagement and the followers will come. Mm. They'll come naturally. Still. What are what are the secrets to engagement? Genuine, honest, and transparent relationships. That's that's mm. what I'm gonna leave that with. And that's kind of my motto and everything that we do for our marketing. But people are being better and better and better at seeing through fluff and seeing through all the sugar-coated stuff. Be real, be genuine, be be a person behind the computer screen, which is what you are. People want to see that there's somebody behind it and share your mission, whatever your mission is for your company. I have worked with so many, so many people that behind the scenes, it's all customer focused, right? We want to do what's best for our customers. We want to serve and support them the best. And then we look at what's actually happening front facing and the customers can't see it. They don't mm. know that that's what's happening behind. And so there's a disconnect there. So being sure that you're you're bringing that into all places throughout your marketing. Hmm. Um, we're kind of getting to the end of the hour. And I do have one more question for you, Alexandria, Alex. <laughs> um, but before I ask it, I'd love to know where can people reach out to you? Where can they find out more about you and what you're doing and, you know, or where can they buy some? Yes. So you can always just check out our website. So that's harrelsonmedia.com. And then as well, uh, we have two Instagram accounts. So I actually just separated our agency um, from my mentorship. So you can follow us at Harrelson Media, which is our case study account, or my brand new account, which is Alexandria Harrelson. So either one of those email hello at harrelsonmedia.com is another place too. So we're pretty easy to find. (laughs) What is your, what is your mentorship focus on? So I help especially women, um, kind of reach that six figures and beyond really work with high powered entrepreneurs and kind of using my same story of, you know, motherhood and parenting and working through that and 
working with two toddlers at home and knowing that you still can grow and you're not being a bad mom. <laughs> Aww, yeah, I know people listening are like, mm-hmm. you're speaking right <laughs> yeah. to their hearts. <laughs> yes. You can still grow. It's okay. Um, mom guilt is very, very real. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's dad guilt too, but mom guilt is so very real. And just, um, yeah, I, I love mentoring. I love um, coaching and being able to to help these, these business owners like reach these next levels. And it's a lot of mindset stuff we work through too. Like just shifting. It's amazing what like a small shift can do for your business. Yeah, it really can. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, final question. I ask it of yes. every first time guest on the podcast. Yes. Um, so Alex, if you could go back in time mm-hmm. and tell anything to that sociology degree, <laughs> Alex, <laughs> knowing what you know now, what would you tell her and why? <gasps> Oh my goodness. Oh, I would probably write like a book. (laughs) (laughs) You should (laughs) do all of this. You know, there's so many lessons that have been learned. The the one thing I would probably tell myself is don't give up. Like it'll be okay. Um, There was a lot of hard stuff I had to go through in business personally, all, all around, but your patience and your grace will pay off in the long run. That's huge. But then I'd probably give myself a PS and be like, well, that's all fun and dandy, but don't forget that you will always be going through this. <laughs> like, there will always be a new lesson to learn. But short and sweet version, that would be just just stick with it. And as long as you're a little bit better today than you are tomorrow, that's all that really matters. Um, you don't have to be an overnight success. You know, most overnight successes take like 10 years to happen anyways. <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah. Well, this was just absolutely wonderful. I love talking you. to you today and yeah. And learning from you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, And to you out there listening, It means so much to have a little bit of your day each week, and we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, DM listeners. If you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up. Because Digital Marketer just released our Canva Holiday Promo Pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The Promo Pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.